Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. We appreciate you joining us. If this is your first time, welcome to the family. If you're a repeat offender, as I say, a recurring listener, we appreciate your patronage, your loyalty, and spreading the news about Finding Certainty. Here on Finding Certainty, we interview fascinating entrepreneurs and leaders and influencers who are making a difference in their lives and in their communities, in the world at large, in their own special ways. Today we have a very special guest. Kevin McLemore is a an author, a speaker. He's a life coach. Uh, he's made his mark by weaving the power of storytelling into the fields of health and fitness and leadership development. Kevin, really appreciate you being with us today. Looking forward to to our conversation. So am I. So am I. I hope you're ready to have some fun because that's all I do is have fun. Absolutely. I, I'm a big believer that we. Uh, Work to live, not live to work, right? You can have it. So uh, Kevin is a, I say he's an author. He's published multiple books. And one of the focuses of today's show is going to be about his latest publication. It's due to be published, his latest project, a book called The World is Not Ready for You. And I I read the book. Actually, I've read three of your books, Kevin. And uh enjoyed all three of them but i think this is my favorite one so we're uh, i'm looking forward to getting into that um on the show today but i always start the show out by sharing two reasons why i've invited this specific guest to join us here on finding certainty and one is to discuss this book because i think it's a book that can change lives it can affect young people and old people and those you know older generations alike but i believe it can change communities and do so for generations to come. I think it's a really important work that you've done here, Kevin. I'm looking forward to drilling down on it. The second piece, though, is that you have a very, I think, a very powerful and a very um, inspiring approach to life in general. And I think it's an example that many of our listeners will resonate with and be and be inspired by. And so, we're going to get into a little bit of your story uh, today and talk a little bit about the book. I know you've you've had your own podcasts. You've got uh, you've had you've got a lot of experience and are touching lives all over the country as a speaker, as an author, and more. So, why don't we start out just by having you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Where where is Kevin McLemore from? I know you grew up. You know you live in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania now, but where did you grow up? And maybe a little bit about your family that brought you to who you are today. Well, I, I'm going to paint you um, a, a quick story. Yes, I, I'm in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I'm 20 minutes outside of um, Philadelphia, 45 minutes of rush hour traffic. But my story didn't begin there. Uh, my story, I don't know if you remember when you were in the third grade, most of us were either eight or nine years old, depending on how your birthday fell on the cal- calendar. But I know I, I came from a large family. I woke up one morning. Um, I lived a block away from McNary uh, Elementary School, uh, had breakfast and, you know, started my day like any other day. Uh, walked a block, 
um, from my home on 559 Cedarhurst to McNary, crossed, went into my classroom at third grade and probably spent the whole day there, got out about 345. And I always tell people, I said, you know, everything about our life, we are one turn of a door to either opening up our, our life to um, possibilities or opening the door to um, to a part of our life that was shut. When I came home at 345, after being a little bit of a problem child in school, that was me. Um, I was that one child that probably spent more time in the office of the principal than I did in, in the classroom, just because, you know, didn't know I had ADHD. And I'll tell you about that story later. But mm -hmm. as I turned um, the key to my door, the door opened and my life changed. Found out that my mother, who I love today, had relocated to Beverly Hills 9021 from Dayton, Ohio. She was escorted by the pastor of our church um, that accompanied her, left my father, not only to raise the, um, the four children he had, but the three he married into when he married my mother. She was a little bit older then. Um, my father had a great relationship with um, alcohol. He was a good man, loved my father to death, so don't get me wrong, this is not a sad story. This is only the beginning of a great story. Um, but he systematically created a relationship between his mortgage and his responsibilities, not only to himself, but to our lives. Lucky for me, my father was responsible, put us on the doorstep of uh, my grandparents' home, his family um, home where he grew up, and my grandparents raised me. So that's the beginning of the story. So one of the things is when I talk, um, especially I just talked to uh, at a university, Central State University, and I talk about the four emotions that will change your life. I talk about disgust. I talk about decisions. I talk about desire and resolve. And the one thing when I talk about disgust is that you, when you look at me, Growing up in the 60s, my mother marched with Martin Luther King. People um, like you and I looked a little bit different at me. There was a stereotype that basically said that, you know, life was going to be challenging for me. It's going to be hard. Um, there was a stereotype that said opportunities weren't going to be presented to me the way they were um, of other people. There were privileges that were not um, applied to me, that were denied from me. But the one thing I said is that, Excuses only sound good to the people that make makes them. And no matter what challenges it um, puts in front of me, I am going to overcome. And that's the way my life became. I've been fighting ever since I've been a kid. And one of the things that my third grade teacher uh, had asked me, she says, when your days come to an end, how do you want to be remembered? And I said, basically, I want to be remembered um, that I've touched someone's life in a certain type of way. I want to help other people every day. And that became my purpose in life, hope helping other people every day. And so in every that. book, every book I write, every conversation I have, hope is a part, part of that. I saw that as I was going through uh, your bestseller. I mean, it's a, an award-winning books, the uh, sprinkles, true story of Christmas. Uh, and I actually read that while I was on a vacation about a month ago, I was on a cruise with my family to Alaska and that's the book I took. And I, I read it uh, every day. And how did it make you feel when you read that book? I mean, it made me feel optimistic. I mean, I'm an optimist already, but it was a different take on Christmas and the challenges of of, of being a child and and the, the the battle that goes on between good and evil and you know, but I came away filled with hope. And I, I want to interject if I can. You you said you grew up on in McNary. What, what was this in Pennsylvania as well, or where where were you exactly? In Ohio. I lived at 559 Cedarhurst in Dayton, Ohio. Um, All right. My, my mom grew up in Dayton. Okay. What part of Dayton? 
Uh, my grandfather was at uh, Wright Pat, uh, Wright Patterson Field there. And so was my father. I grew up in a military family. My father and my brothers all served. I was the only child, only male child that did not serve. I did ROTC, so my father would be happy, and still didn't make him happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I wondered if that was Dayton as you were talking about it, but yes. Um, you know, as you as you look at your father and your mother, I mean, it must have been traumatic to lose your mom like that. I can't even imagine. Um, how did you go through that, Kevin, and come out with the optimism that you have and in the in the the attitude that you had? Because when we're beset by trauma or loss, we have really three ways we can go. Right? We can become angry and bitter. We can become immobilized and and just not move right we we curl up in a ball and and or we can overcome and we can grow from it and learn from it and become who we are supposed to be and that's one of the things i love about your book is we'll get into it it's all about that right it's about achieving our potential and breaking out of that cocoon but you know as you look back on how you overcame the 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 risk of becoming angry and bitter do you attribute it to your grandparents? Do you attribute it to other mentors? Uh, just was it just within you, or or what? How did you how did you do it? Well, I, I will tell you, it's a combination of um, uh, all of those things. But I, I will tell you that um, you know when you go through the stages of um, grief, you talk about you know denial, anger, you bargain with yourself, you go through a state of depression or acceptance. Um, I think the only thing that I lived with for a long time, I I was angry. But I will tell you, motivation, you know, they say it's, a, it's a, um, uh, an emotion. But I, I, I will tell you, when you have conflict with a young man while you're in the eighth grade, because he has robbed a friend um, of his um, savings or money on his paper route, you defend that person. Because I grew up in a neighborhood that you basically had to fight your way in, fight your way out. And unfortunately, I became very good at coming in and out of my neighborhood without any scars. Um, I defend it. Um, a young man. And so when Vanessa Bursong was having her um, end of the year or transformation um, party going from the eighth grade to freshman in high school, um, the young man happened to come into the, uh, the party. And our first encounter was one-on-one, -on -one, but this time he brought four of the friends with him and he approached me and Vanessa Bursong, we were in the basement and she goes, no, not in my mom's house. We're not going to have this. And I figured that one of my closest friends was a guy by the name of Paul Moore, the only teenager that I knew that ever beat up a grown man. So I figured two against five was a fair fight. Unfortunately, <laughs> we got outside Vanessa Birdsong's house and I took off my jacket. Um, two of the young men pulled out guns. And at that time, um, uh, we exited instead of fighting. My grandfather always said a good run is better than a bad stand. And so that day I took his advice. We jumped across um, and scaled the wall over to the swimming hole at Westwood um, uh, Elementary, where we used to spend. And I had always fantasized about being in one room, and that was the girls' locker room. <laughs> and I realized I was laying in what I, I was hoping um, was uh, pool water and not the DNA of another human being. And as the fragments of the concrete danced around my head, I decided, I said, if they, I came over one wall, sooner or later, they were going to come over. So we only had one exit. So the south end of, uh, end of the pool, I scaled over that wall. Paul gave, Paul Moore followed me. I learned a couple of things that night. One, I had world-class speed and didn't know it. The second, I had asked God if he got me home without a bullet hole in my body that I was going to change and make some decisions that were better 
and I was mm-hmm. I would uh, support him and do everything in his name. And the other thing I found out is that um, most hoods can't shoot straight. So running in a, in a, in a zigzag wasn't a, I ran in a straight line. And that's how my life began. I started making better decisions. And if it had not been for me playing high school sports, and I have to honor Coach Russo, and that's another story. You, you've read that in X's and O's and how I got into football. It's based on a lie. And when I talk about my story, um, part of it is owning your own truth. That's the first part. And I lived a lie. I told everyone my mom was dead. And that was my way of coping with it because at that time, people didn't ask the details like they do now of why you lost someone. They uh-huh. just said, sent their condolences and allowed you to, to have your own space. So it was very easy for me to live that lie. And my lie after so certain period of time, like anything else, it became my own truth. So that's how I dealt with it. But football saved me from the streets. And my coaches saved me in the streets. And the title of the book, when I did something uh, special, my Uncle Bill was the first person that told me. Um, he was surprised. He said, boy, I got to get the world ready for you. The world's not ready for you. And that was echoed in conversation of every mentor, coach, teacher, or anyone that had any type of positive impression on me after watching me see do my thing. So that's where it is. And if my grandfather hadn't told me in order for me to be equal to anybody else, I had to be three times better. I realized I had um, 10 fingers. I said, I'm going to be 10 times better than anyone else. So there's no excuse. And that's the way I live my life, fighting to be 10 times better. You know, it's it's interesting because, as I said, you have these three options, right? To get angry, to to get, become immobilized, or to overcome. And And oftentimes, we go through all three phases, right? It's not clearly defined one or the other. It's not... Well, I didn't even get angry at all. I just went right into optimism. It, 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 it's not. We go through the stages of grief. We go through cycles of learning and and becoming. And I love that your grandfather said, "We need to get you ready. The world is not ready for you." And he was. He, I think he was both. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was both being a realist and also being a coach. And he was inspiring you as to your potential, also coaching you and educating you on the challenges that you were going to face. And I think it's a really important characteristic of a coach is that you are inspirationally honest, right? You don't blow hot air. It's not fluff. You don't, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent of five children. I've got hundreds of salespeople across the country and I deal with inspiring them on a daily basis while also being honest with them and laying out what they have to do and laying out the challenges that will face them. And so it's one of the things I like about your book and about your writing in general is it's very honest. It's refreshing. You don't, you know, it's not, it's not puff. They're not puff pieces by any means. And so would you agree with me that uh, integrity is at the heart of it all? Hey, without integrity, you got nothing. Um, so I, I, I believe that, but I, I will tell you, is that when you go through the stages of grief, I never had that. I knew from the time I came into the world that this world offered something special. I had a gift. I didn't know what it was. I had to go through the stages of, of learning, but I always knew I had something special. I didn't know what it was. I could sing. I could dance. I could draw. Um, I had trouble reading and writing and didn't know why, but I was smart. If I sat down and had a conversation with you, I talked way beyond the, my years at that time. And I was always a student of life. I, I was always hungry for the people that were at the top of the game. You know, even though I couldn't swim, okay, 
I watched how sharks maneuvered. I walked out. Mm-hmm. I watched how a lion manifested itself in the jungle and and held the lion at bay. Held held um, an elephant at bay. You know, I always knew it was special. I didn't bargain with myself, and I didn't get depressed. I had well, you, in, in my neighborhood. I had one way up. I knew what backwards looked like, so I had to go forward. Well, for as long as I've known you, Kevin, you. One of the very first things I, I saw in you and was impressed by was that you are hungry to excel. And you've done that throughout your life. You, you're not one of those who sits on his laurels and awaits for someone else to do something for him. You've, you know, you've accomplished so much in your life. And how many books have you published? What, what number is this exactly? This is number four. I have written eight total. Um, this is number four. The one that um, we're going to talk about today was not part of the plan. This is this was God's work. I will tell you. Yeah, I, w- I I would agree. It's written all through it. You see His divine choreography. You see His handprint in that in 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 this work, in my opinion. But um, you know, as we go through trauma, and as we learn from it, we go through different either stages of grief. We have to. We, sometimes we feel like we have to defend ourselves or protect ourselves. We make up stories. You know, I mean, you said your mom had passed away. I'm sure that got you a lot of sympathy and a lot of support, but it also, in many respects, was true to you. She was gone. She had abandoned you. And so I think there was more truth to that statement, at least symbolically or or emotionally, than, than uh, maybe uh, you realized. But we are... Uh, we are up against our first break. The, the hour passes by really quick here. When you get back, or when we get back, I want to jump into some of the transitions you made from a young man to a grown adult, and some of the, I know at least one trial you went through that changed how you are an artist, probably how you wrote, changed a lot of things. You went through a, a traumatic brain, brain injury, right? Yes. But we're going to go to a quick break. If you're uh, with us listening, we appreciate your patronage. We're visiting with Kevin McLemore. He's an author and a coach, a fitness uh, expert, which we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, we'll be right back here on Finding Certainty. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. 
Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Kevin McLemore, author, speaker, and life coach. Kevin, uh, we were talking a little bit about your upbringing and your family and how your your mother had to, uh, unfortunately, made a made a decision to leave. Your father was a uh, struggling he with drinking, but you said, man. yeah, you said he was a good man. He was a happy drunk, right? Let, let me say this, because this is what happens, to, especially with, with black people, um, when we do interviews, we, we want to hang on um, the negative. And that's not the way it is. My my father, if I, I've got plenty of people that um, have a relationship like my father um, did with alcohol. And that's the reason why I prefaced it that way. My father was a good man. My mother was a brilliant person. And one of the things I respect about my mom is she made a decision, even though it wasn't popular to me. And I've got a great relationship um, with my mom today. And I want to make sure that any interview that I do today, you know, the, the drama of that that story is something I had to deal with. I don't have to have anyone that lived through it that um, is listening or read my book and whatever. That That's my story. I own my own story. That is my it. truth. The hard part about that was basically I had lied to everyone that was important to me that my mom had died. And when she came back into my life, that was it. But I am the owner of my own story. I am the captain of my ship. And the one thing that was consistent in my life, especially with the male role models, I learned how to fight for what I wanted. I was proud of who I who, who I am and who I was. There's nothing I can do about the circumstances. That's the life my my parents chose for them. When I got responsibility of my life, and I teach this all the time, you know, our parents, all of our parents, teach us a crop of, uh, a bunch of crap that does not apply to our our real lives, and then we have to go ahead and redefine. They tell us that if you eat your vegetables, you'll grow grow up big and strong. As a fitness professional. You know, that's a good idea, but you still got to do the work in order to grow up big and strong. They tell us if you go, graduate from college that you're going to have a job. There's so many people out there with master's degrees, whatever, they're working at, at jobs they would have had if they just worked their way up, way, way through. Life has challenge. I have always been surrounded by people that saw greatness within me. The problem was going through different phases of my life, trying to discover my why. I had to come to my own truth and where I was at that different phase. And sometimes I made bad decisions and other times I made better. Now that I have complete control over my life, I'm making the best decisions. And that's the reason why I put them in the book, to make sure that, you know, the footprints I leave in the sand, I only leave a trail for you to follow. But I also open up the road for you to create your own footprints. I love it. You know, you talk about how you are the captain of your life. And whether you grow up in a black family or white family or Hispanic, Asian, we all face our own unique set of challenges, right? I grew up with a father who was 
sick for many, many years and is now in a wheelchair. He's still with us, but was in a coma. He had a, a rare form of meningitis that ravaged his body. You know, uh, we had our own set of issues that are unique to us, right? But you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, Kevin, where you said, I am the captain of my own life. I was asked um, last year to be a part of a book called Mission Matters, and it focuses on CEOs whose companies are making a difference. And I wrote my chapter on accountability. Actually, asked to write the to be on the cover and write the introduction. But my chapter was about accountability, and I talked about a book called The Oz Principle. One of the most important questions we can ask is, "What else can I do?" Um, they, they compare the difference between falling into a victim pattern and rising above that living above the line as they call it and they they tell the story of the uh, characters from the wizard of oz who in the beginning of the story are going to the emerald emerald city to see the great and powerful oz to do what to have him fix their problems for them but by the end of that book we see that they had within them everything they were looking for dorothy was even wearing the red slippers the entire story that could take her home to Kansas. So it's a it's a really it's a powerful topic and one that I uh I feel very passionately about. So um t- tell me a little bit about your your siblings. You said you had uh, you came from a large family. How many uh, how many siblings did you have? Well counting them counting them all there's there were 13 of us. Um there is wow. <laughs> seven surviving seven or eight of us surviving. I, I have to sit down and and count my fingers, whatever. Uh, unfortunately, right. and I guess this is a segue into um, my latest book. It was unplanned. Um, last December, December 10th, I turned 64 years of age. That's December 10th. On the 15th, I got a phone call from my elder brother, Mac, and he told me that my baby sister, Brandy, at 42, was gone. And I said, well, gone where? He said, Brandy passed. And I'm going... She's our baby sister. She can't pass. No big brother thinks he's going to outlive his sister, but she had passed away. And two of her children, my one of my nephews and niece witnessed, um, you know, her passing. She dropped dead in, in front of him while she was doing laundry in her home. Um, wow. Three days before the new year of 2023, we were making plans. I was making plans to go from Pennsylvania to Dayton, Ohio, to attend her funeral. I started to look through some pictures of our past um, life together and didn't it never dawned on me i graduated from high school in 1977 brandy was born the 15th of um um brandy was born um in 1979 so the times that i had any, any interactions with my younger sister my baby sister it was through as an adult talking to a child and brandy reminded me so much of, of myself the conversations the things she was doing the involvement she had in her in a community and i started to recite the same thing that i've done to many times of people that i mentor and i'm going girl i gotta get the world ready for you the world's not ready for you you've got greatness within you and as i was sitting at my computer i started to write notes little stories and little conversations that ultimately an hour and a half later i created something that was so fantastic i was in, i was dazzled and confused myself i um sent it over to my editor which um, Judy um, Finnell is a uh, world-class editor and one of the top romance writers um, in this country. 
um, I sent it to her and I said, I just want to bounce this off you and tell me what you think. And she says, Macklemore, she says, we're already working on two books that we've been trying to get out for the last two years. And now this. And she actually said, what the F? But she said the word. I won't repeat it on your show because it's a family show. And I said, was it that bad? And she goes, no, it's not that bad. She goes, but we've been working on this. And I said, well, this is what we're going to do. We are going to um, put this on hold. We're going to get the other two books, but I want to make this a priority after two. And she goes, no, it's not going to happen. She says, we're going to put this out in 30 days. This was in January 2023. She says, I'm going to find an artist. They're going to illustrate it, and I'll have it out in 30 days. She said, this is going to change the world. And I said, Judy, this is personal. I got to do the artwork. And she goes, you can draw? And I said, yeah, I can draw. She said, let me see something. So I sent her over the drawing, and I had never shown my artwork to anyone. Sent it over to her, and she says, Macklemore, is there anything you can't do? And I said, I am guided by the gift of God. I said, whatever gift God gives me for that day, I'm using every single day. And so I said, that's the reason why I got to get the world ready. And that's how this book came about. So January, we didn't get it out in 30 days. I finished the 26th drawing that's in here. Um, the last weekend of August, the drawings in real life are um, 18 by 24. So every drawing is original. My sister loved butterflies. So there's a butterfly uh, in almost every picture that's on there. I didn't understand why. And I kept asking people because I kept all of a sudden I kept seeing butterflies, butterfly tattoos, butterflies here and there. But it's a transformation. And, and what became of the book? was amazing. Everything that, that happened in this book, I will tell you, I had I was only the, the messenger. I was the portal to it. But God wrote this book. When um, a university uh, professor said this was a book that was the key to emotional, social, emotional learning, and that this book needed to be in the hand of every counselor, teacher, um, coach, he said, this, this book has to be shared with the world. I mean, I told you earlier, um, one of LeBron James's um, uh, friends, their parents now have the book, and I got confirmation that they just handed the book over to uh, LeBron James. I don't know what that's going to come out of it, but I do do know that my ultimate uh, wish is that everyone that's ever turned a page to a book, everyone that's ever coached, mentored someone, influenced someone, anyone that has promise has a copy of this book in their library. The hardcover is beautiful. The paperback, it's a worksheet, so it gives you a chance because I journal. I've been journaling since 1973. My last uh, entry of, of um, my last journal, and I still do it, was March uh, 1st, um, 2018, March section. March 2nd, I um, experienced another blow to my head. I had many concussions, but this one wiped out my memory, and that led to the transformation of X's and O's, I created that out of um, my dealings and getting my life back together. So everything that I had in life, and I can go on and on, each book was part of an experience needing to have. Sprinkles is all about being kind to people. So I apologize to everyone that reads Sprinkle. There's no Christmas in there. We, we talk about being kind and getting along. X's and O's is my story, my trans transition and only my story and leading up to everything I learned about life. I learned playing high school football. This book um, is the book that I should always written, been, always have written. You know, the fact that I speak to people about traumatic brain injuries, and I talk about the difficulties of you being an advocate of your own um, health, um, this book supports that, everything I do. You know, I don't 
uh, making excuses for the fact that sometimes I lose words, sometimes I stutter, sometimes I wake up with such a bad migraine or whatever, but nothing stops me from living. Nothing Kevin, stops me from living. Let me interject here. The the story, the world is not ready for you. Anybody, anybody who's looking for a it's almost a workbook for life. It's more than just a book. It's a manual. It's a it's like it's like a journal, right? Because there are sections in there where you are asked to fill in the blanks. You ask a question, there's a space for you to fill in your thoughts and share your thoughts. And so this is a this is an active, living, breathing uh, experience more than just a book that you would read. And and I love how you you share the reasoning behind each of your books and how they they've um, they're really a testament to your life. But uh, you you shared an interesting insight to me earlier about how when you had your your traumatic brain injury, when you came out of that, you actually became a better artist, a better writer. You that it impacted you and and affected you in a way, and I think it's a testament to your whole life and how you approach it. But it's also a testament to how challenges affect us if we let them. Right? right, we can let trauma and challenge and trials and racism and other things destroy us, or we can let them develop us and, and inspire us and make us into something more. That's why I love your your imagery of the butterfly and the cocoon all the way through that that book. Um, as you look at that, and as you are out, you just spoke at Central State. I know you speak all across the country. You speak to thousands of people about this topic of of mental health and 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 seeing your potential, seeing who you are. Is is that the main message that you're giving to your listeners that that they can overcome, that they have it within them, or or, or I mean, that's much of the message in the book. It's it's inspiring, but is there more? What is it you're saying when you're, when you're on the stage? When I tell people, everything about your life is based on two decisions, chance and choice. Whatever chance you take and whatever choice you make and the actions that follow. You know, when I, when I, this book, the world's not ready for you. When I talk about it, I said, there can only be one you. You are an original. You, de you decide if your story is going to be a romantic comedy, a dramedy, or a horror story or it's gonna be the best love story. There can only be uh, one you. Put out the best version of you that you want the world to see. You are as unique as the conversation that you're having right now. You know, you're the person that's standing in your shoes. You know, when I talk about motivation, motivation is when I get up in the morning, when I put my foot on the ground, the reason why God gave me two legs and some people have one, but you still move forward, inspiration is where that next step takes you. You know, um, you know, my so this... my, uh, my wife um, deals with some health issues, and we were with a, a doctor, a new doctor that she was interviewing, essentially, just the other day. And um, he talked about journaling. Now, he talked about the importance. He's an alternative uh, care physician and talked about how we have tr trauma in our lives, and it gets into our DNA. And if we if we're not talking about it, talking about our uh, how we feel and our thoughts on it and our wishes, our whys, etc., that trauma will stay woven into our DNA and never get out. And so we had this 
It's interesting that you're talking about that because just literally two days ago, 48 hours ago, I was I was having this whole this whole conversation about the power of journaling. Why do you think that's so powerful, so effective? Because I completely 100% agree with you that if we're putting our thoughts onto paper every day, even if it's just you know, answering a question or two. What was the best thing that happened today? What was the worst thing that happened today? How's today going to be better? You know, that can change your life. So share, share with us your thoughts. Why Why do you feel that way? And, or, or do you the, agree? The part, the part of uh, journaling, I, I write every day. I mean, you, you've gotten some of my, my texts. I always write down the very first thought that comes to my head. Sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes it has nothing to do with it but i put it out there and i share it with a small circle of friends and i only with those but the reason why journaling is so important is because it's your story no one journals and lies to themselves you tell your deep your most intimate and decret and deepest secrets to yourself and a lot of times we, we write out things and whatever and you can go to the best shrinks in the in, in the world and you find yourself not wanting to be 100 percent open but when you journal, you not only ask the question, you answer the question. And then if you're really smart, you you make sure you don't have to revisit that question again. You make changes to your life. And, and the hard part about life is making decisions, decisions to, to get out of a bad relationship. That's why I said discuss is one of those things. And when you say enough is enough, decisions to stop showing up to a, to a job that you hate and you keep showing up and you know, you're know you not rewarded or you're not appreciated for the conversations you have or you can add. Um, and then you, you, you have these dreams to go to places that no one else wants to go. One of my favorite books when I started to read again is All the Places um, You Can Go by Dr. Seuss. And I had always put out in, in, in into the world, I said, one day I want to write a book that that book becomes part of the conversation like Kevin McLemore. I've given over 400 copies of that book away of people that were going through transitions or hard times. And now I've written a book that can sit in on someone else's uh, conversation, be sit, given to someone else that's saying, look, the world is not ready for you. I got to get the world ready for you. Those of us that are here longer than some of us that have just gotten here, we have a responsibility to create a life that makes it better for someone else. And if they don't see it being done within some in, within someone in their circle, they, the possibility is not real. When, when young men, black, white, or whatever, see the fact that I've had so many things in my life that most people would have given up on and they see me still fighting for it, and I said, the world's not ready for you, you know Kevin Macklin was getting the world ready for you. There's not a chapter, there's 26 chapters in that book, that will not apply to someone's life every single day, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, no matter how successful you are, there is something in your life that you've fallen short with. I spoke to a millionaire on my podcast. You know what his one, you know, he had his little canned speech that he was given to all his um, interviews. And when I asked him and pulled back the layers to his own truth, you know what his truth was? The one thing he regretted is that he had a relationship with his previous wife that he wished that he can do all over again because he's a better man today than he was then. That was right. his one regret and he's got children by it. You know what that means to his children to hear his father tell his own truth? But you had to pull it out for him. Yeah. So we've got to go to another break here, but um, really enjoying this conversation, Kevin. I think we could go on for hours, but 
Um, you're listening to Kevin McLemore and Patrick Lang here on Finding Certainty. We are uh, we're tackling some important issues here. This is a this is a topic in a, a an arena that I think is critical. And I, when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about mental health and how it's affecting America today. What we can do to help with it. Um, I've had some interesting guests, just incredible guests on my show, discussing this exact topic, but. We'll go to break real quick. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T E A M, like Mary.com. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. This here on Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Kevin McLemore. He's a, he, he's an, a, I would say a fascinating character. I could use a lot of, a lot of uh, words to describe you, Kevin, but I love your approach to life. In fact, just yesterday I was talking with a friend about that old movie, The Dead Poets Society. Remember with Robin Williams? And he, yes, I do. He's talking to his students about sucking the marrow out of life. And I always, I always thought that was a strange analogy. But if you think about it, when you're, you know, if you have some really great ribs and you're, you're literally sucking the flute, you know, the, the juice out of them because it's so good, you're not leaving anything behind. And that's, I think, a great definition of of Kevin McLemore, the Kevin McLemore that I know. You don't leave anything on the table, and I, I resonate with that. You know, we have a lot in common. We have different, you know, similar experiences with marriage and with and with business. I'm a I'm a an author. Our last two books were uh, international bestsellers. I mean, we should talk about ideas for publishing and stuff that I could maybe share with you and we should do great that. great context there that I could share, but. Um, but we, we ended the last segment talking a little bit about mental health. 
I had a guest on a few weeks back named James Donaldson, he's a former NBA ball player. And he has a foundation that is called Your Gift of Life Foundation. He's up in the Seattle, Washington area. But uh, his his foundation is focused on uh, suicide prevention. He came very close to taking his own life at one point. And um, through friends and support and a timely phone call, he didn't go there. Uh, but he realized that there is a real need out there for organizations and mentors and coaches like like his own. And so, you know, as you as you're out talking to to kids and talking to to, to college students and and entrepreneurs and so forth and so on, how often do you see mental health issues crop up, and what is your response to them? What what are you doing? Do you think to help? Well, I, I, let me do this because you, you brought up the, earlier that I had a typo in my book and I wanted to make sure when I turned to page 36 and I'm <laughs> going to answer this because this it just happens to be this kind of turn, turns into the answer to the question. On page 37, right. it reads, a bird learns to fly after being pushed out of its nest. Education is part of the foundation of all progress and growth. What you learn in the nest is quickly forgotten while you're learning to fly. Before hitting the ground, never forget that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Investing in knowledge will take you to all the places you want to go in life. Just learn to fly. The world's not ready for you. The reason why I brought that up is because uh, men with mental health, and I'm not um, devaluing women in mental health, but we don't share the same coping skills on the same layers that women. Our frontal cortex only has two functions from a man, a woman is able to function with seven different layers. That's the reason why multitask. But very few of us can get to that point that we we ask ourselves when our life changes. Because when you get that bump in the head, I used to work at when I was in um, college at United Cerebral Palsy, and they always said that you're one bump away from being a client um, of there. And I didn't know it until I got to that that point. You get to the point that, you know, you fall 10 foot off a ladder, you break your neck, and you, you have five or six uh, surgeries, and um, you get your life back. And then several years later, you get hit in the head at, in, in the gym, and your memory is wiped uh, away. You ask yourself, why does this keep happening to me? You know, the Kevin part of me says God is pointing you in the direction that he wants you to go. That's the reason why he bumped you in the head. You start bargaining with, with yourself. You go through a state of depression to whereas when your family and friends don't understand what you're going through because mental health is not like having a broken leg. It's not like, you know, having open heart surgery, you have a scar. It's not like having anything that you can take medication from. It is something that plays with you 24-7, does not allow you to sleep. If it, 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 you know, when they talk about fear, you know, freak, uh, feelings or imageries that are appearing to be real. With a, a person that's going through a traumatic uh, brain injury, a lot of things that we fantasize about, a lot of things that we fear become real. You hear a lot of people talking, taking their life, and it's more prevalent in men, higher with black men, that they get to a point that they just give up. And it's easier to, to, to make the pain go away by, by um, exiting this world than it is to dealing with it. The hard part about dealing with mental health is realizing that today, Whatever injury happened to you is acceptance. It's part of your reality. And so once you accept your reality, 
is what are you going to do next? That's the reason why when I speak about mental health, it's like go through all the stages of uh, grief. Because when you lose your, your your mind and you're trying to get back on the tracks again, you got to realize that you're going to be derailed by something. A spouse is not going to understand. Your children are going to uh, make jokes the fact that you stutter. When you get the little arcing pain that I have and my neck goes this way or my eyes go that way and I can't control it, I have to constantly work on not stuttering. And my biggest fear is what I have to face my 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 own uh, subconscious is that I don't want people to ever to think that I was dumb. If I told you that I almost graduated from college without being able to read or write, and Sherry Wells helped te teach me to read or write, and then I just went back through Central State and gave a small uh, presentation and, and discovered that I wrote Sprinkles, the first thing I ever wrote that made any sense after learning to read or write, and it became an award-winning book. I could have told you a long time ago this would have happened. I just didn't know it was going to happen now. Mm -hmm. I love that. The whole thing with mental health with um, male or female is surrounding your, yourself with people that support you, that understand what you're going through is real. Having people have enough tolerance when your head is playing games with you and you put yourself in compromising positions because my voice always wants to poke the bear and I have to train myself sometimes just to keep my mouth shut. Well, you took the words out of my mouth, Kevin, that one of the most critical pieces of dealing with mental health is surrounding yourself by those who care people who are patient and understanding and supportive and they're not critical right it's hard because when someone else has mental health and they're dealing with it it does infect their their loved ones their family their friends but it's up to us to provide that that safety net right that support network and I talked earlier about the importance of integrity when we're mentoring and coaching others and being honest with them. But I think there's a way to be honest that's harsh and, and hurtful and critical, and there's a way to be honest that's supportive and loving and, 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 and encouraging. And I think in addition to – I will make a plug for this uh, before I forget. We are coming up toward the end of the show. But anyone out there who is struggling with mental health or any foundation – that is working to combat it, similar to my friends, your Gift of Life Foundation. Um, if you if you need funding, reach out to us, okay? We can help raise unlimited zero-cost funding for any nonprofit, but this one's a hot spot for me. Veterans, I'm a, I'm a Army veteran, U.S. Army veteran, and, and mental health, those two go hand-in-hand hand a lot of the time. But we also have a program, it's actually one of our best-selling products, is a mental health program. You can have unlimited counseling appointments with zero co-pays for $30 a month for the entire family. Only covers kids 18 to 26, but it doesn't do child psychology. But for anyone out there who's struggling, needs help, if you're a foundation who needs funding, reach out to us. Uh, you'll see the information in the description to the, to the uh, show or... But if you need counseling and you just don't know how to pay for it because it's expensive, reach out to us as well. We have an extraordinary, it's a tele-counseling program. We do it over Zoom or over the phone, but uh, it's something that anyone can afford. So we're, well, coming, toward the, we're coming toward the end of the show um, here. Kevin, do you, what would you add to that before we run out of time? I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this out there since you put this out there. What should happen? is that every single city, you should put together a group of four or five men that have come out on the other side. 
And instead of going to a doctor's visit or whatever, let us have a roundtable, a tour for one year in order to talk, to share our experience from people that have lived, people have like myself and like your friend that were at a point that just wanted to check out and be able to, to see and have a conversation with someone that has done something better with their life. That is better than any pill. You know, when you talk about exercises, going, I think that's where you should put your money. If you're going to put together a program, put together a million dollars and get five people and tour and let them talk to people. Because when, when you're going through it alone, that's the reason why you give up, because you think you're the only person going through that. So that's what I would say to you. Put your money where your mouth is. I think it's a great idea. You know, you um, you so often when you're going through, whether it's mental health challenges or loss or trauma, you feel like you're the only one who's doing so. I heard a quote a long time ago, one of the leaders of our church who said, if you look at the person next to you and assume they are going through something incredibly difficult, you're going to be right more often than not. And so by surrounding yourself, I talk about counseling and this this access to, to almost free counseling. Uh, but if you will be honest and open, don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. It's it, 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 There's no reason to be, right? Be honest and open. Create that support network. You may have to go find it because you don't currently have it. But they are out there. There are great social workers, great counselors, teachers, pastors, that will be that support network for you. I love your idea, Kevin, of having a having a you know a kind of a dream team of of survivors who have gone through it. My friend James Donaldson's a great example. You're a great example of that. You would, I think there's there's a lot of them out there who have gone through hard things and come out on the other end. But um, in closing, how do people get a hold of you? How do they learn more about you? If they want to get in touch with me directly, and I only say if you're a person of high call to action, if you, you're someone in a position to get things done, you can reach me direct. My number is 610-212-9870. If you want to um, be on my show or talk about this and come on um, talking with Kevin and Son, go to info at rmkproductions.org. I would love to have you on. I would love to ha continue this conversation. The other thing is, if you happen to be in possession of my book on Amazon, um, The World Is Not Ready For You, this is what I'm going to ask. After you read it, within an hour, call 10 of your friends and ask them to, um, to buy the book and read it. If they agree to you, that agree with you that this is one of the best books that they've ever written, within an hour, ask them to repeat that and do this over and over for 10 days. Sooner or later, this book will land on the desk or in, in the library of someone that's ready to check out in this life and this will probably save one at least one person's life or this will probably be the turning point to, to put the exclamation point on it's time for you to get something done so again pay it, pay it forward guys we can create a domino effect and a snowball effect that can not only change lives but save lives we've been uh, visiting with kevin mclemore on finding certainty thanks for visiting with us as always come Thank back you. next week Every week we have another guest that can peel back the layers of finding and creating certainty in our lives. Kevin, thanks for being here. Really appreciate thanks for it. Having me. This was a great show. And thank you, America, and finding have, your voice. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye for now.
Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.